Good evening, Fellowship College. Let's stand to our feet. And we're bringing some energy tonight. We got a full choir. If you see somebody you know in the choir, say, hey, what's up? <laughs> All right. So you got no excuse. We're going to sing out this evening. We're going to worship our Lord. Let's sing together. Sing, I search the world. I search the world.
that feel welcome tonight. One, two, three, four. Hey, y'all can have a seat. Good evening, Fellowship College. Hey, my name is Brian Pope. I am the, basically the missions pastor here at Fellowship, and I'm so excited to be here tonight. I'm also excited that we finally, we're, we're trying to decentralize missions into each congregation that we have, which basically means that I really get to start focusing very soon just on Fayetteville. And so I'm so pumped about that, so pumped with the opportunity to get to know some of y'all, especially some of y'all who may have a heart for missions. And so what is it exactly that we do? Well, our mission statement is to reach the unreached near and far. And so what that means is, is that we have all these people from all over the world coming to Northwest Arkansas. And a lot of them have never heard the name of Jesus Christ. And so we want to minister to the people that God has brought near. And years ago, I was reading through the book of John, and I came across a verse that I've probably read so many times. And it's a simple little verse, and it says this. And for some reason, when I read it, it was like it just jumped out on the page and just slapped me in the face. That's the next picture. But it says this. Oh, it keeps going back and forth. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. And I don't know why I never noticed it before, but I looked at this and I, and I realized that this is true. Two things need to happen. One is that, man, believers, we gotta do a lot better of a job loving each other and caring for one another. And two is, it means that we've got to be able to bring lost people into this Christian community so they can experience that love. And you'll notice this verse doesn't say, like, it doesn't say, hey, how much knowledge you have about the Bible, even though that's important. It doesn't say how many verses you have memorized. It doesn't say how well you evangelize. It says well, how much love you have for one another. That's how people are gonna know you're my disciples. And, and so what we did is we gathered up a group of people who just had a heart, who wanted to reach out to internationals. And, and we kind of had this driving rule that, that international students and people from other countries, they wouldn't be our projects, but we would make them real genuine friends of ours. And then we just invite them to come and be a part of our community. And so that's what we started to do and wanted to introduce you. Uh, so one of our students, the girl on the left, Claire, she became friends with a girl from Japan. Japan is the second largest unreached people group in the world. The girl on the right, her name is Mayu. And they just developed a friendship and she became a part of our community. And over an investment of years, not months, but years, we saw Mayu become more interested in the Christian life and then give her life to Christ and then start getting discipled. 
And then she wanted to get baptized, and we, we met with her to talk through the baptism. And she said something that at one hand was just so encouraging, but on the other hand was at the same time terrifying on what could have happened. But she said this, she goes, actually, when I came to America very early on, I was interested in becoming a Christian. She goes, but I wanted to wait and see if it was legit. And she actually waited and watched for a year to see if Christianity was for real. And a month ago, I got to be with this group of friends as they laid hands on her and prayed over her because she's moving back to Japan. She graduated from the U of A. She's moving back. And her goal is to share the gospel and to make disciples in Japan. And so that's half of what we do. And if you're interested in doing something like that, please come talk to me or reach out to me after the service. So that's half of what we do. But we also send people far into these places where the unreached live. And unreached means less than 2% of the population has a relationship with Christ. And we're about to do that. And Kyle and Elise, would you come up here? And I know many of you might know Kyle and Elise. I know, I think it was last May was the last time that they were here. And for a lot of y'all, this is gonna be the last time you see them in a while. Next week, next Monday, they're going. They're, and ironically, they're going to Japan. Uh, same place, matter of fact, they know uh, Mayu. And their goal is to go there, learn the language, share the gospel, make disciples, and see churches planted. And so this is a bittersweet moment for us. Uh, it's bitter because we've, we've talked to global workers, we've talked to people on the field, and, and we've asked them, we said, hey, who do you want us to send? What type of person do you want us to send? And the reply always comes back the same. It says, send us your best and send us people that you'll miss. And that describes Kyle and Elise to us. We're sending some of our best, and we're definitely sending people that we will miss. And so we're gonna pray for them uh, right now. And kind of when we, we, we have this tradition that we started at Fellowship Fayetteville, that when we send off somebody, we just ask that you would just outstretch your hand. Uh, it just in a show of support, just, just stick it out as we pray over them and just, just feel your blessings just being sent to them. So please raise your hands. We're gonna pray for them. Dear God, I thank you so much for Kyle and Elise. And I thank you so much for what you've been doing with them, not just over the past couple of months, but over the past few years, dear Lord. That you've given this, them this vision to take the gospel where it's not. To take the gospel into the second largest unreached people group in the world. God, they're making great sacrifices. And even though both of them had such fruitful ministry here, they've counted the cost and they decided to go. God, we pray that you'll be with them. We pray that they'll quickly be able to learn the language, even though it's a very difficult language for many Americans to learn. We pray, dear God, that they'll be quick to make relationships. And dear God, through the love that they show, that they will see new people drawn into your family. God, we pray for protection. We pray for them that they're gonna be lonely. There's gonna be moments of sadness, dear God. But may they learn to lean on you more than they ever have before. 
And dear God, I pray for the college students who are out there right now. Dear God, we pray that years from now there'll be other people that we're laying hands on. And dear God, it'll be another bittersweet moment that we'll be sending people into areas of the world filled with people who don't know you. And God, we do it because we love you and we love them. In your name we pray, amen. Church, we serve a great and mighty God. Kyle and Lisa, we miss you guys. We love you. We'll be praying for you. Church, we're gonna keep you guys updated um, over however long it is that the McCarthys are in Japan. We'll have updates from them. We'll continue to pray for them. Um, My hope is that through this reminder that Pope gives us, um, that we, we realize that the God that we serve here in this room tonight, the God that we're worshiping and praising is the same God that's gonna be with the McCarthys in Japan. And man, we get to worship that God and lift praises to his name and we get to be in his presence, in his greatness. And so in light of that, let's respond and let's worship this evening. So if you can, let's let's stand and let's sing. Sing these words. Sing, how great is our God. And how great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And all
given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Awesome. You guys can sit in. Welcome. When I was uh, when I was growing up, I had like a special perk in my family that I realized not many not many families had. My mom was a part of this this thing called the Screen Actors Guild. They just had a big award show like a couple weeks ago, and every year they vote on the best movies, the best TV shows of that year. And my mom got to vote every year. And so a part of that is like the first of the year, we get this like big shipment. And it was just like a stack of DVDs from, y'all know what DVDs are? Y'all heard of, heard of the uh, Blockbuster? We would just get like this big stack of, of DVDs from the best TV shows, the best movies, in every genre from that year. And so it was like January through March was like the best time of year because any night we had a free night, we'd, we'd put on a new movie or a new TV show that was appropriate and, and we, would, we would watch that as a whole family. And I kind of took that for granted that like I grew up getting to watch uh, the best shows, the best movies. And yet, today... When somebody asked me, like, hey, Josh, what, what's your favorite TV shows of all time? Like, I've seen, like, the best of the best, like, the critically acclaimed best. But these two TV shows, Friends and New Girl, I know that's probably a little edgy for some of y'all as, like, a pastor, like, New Girl, like, Aren't you supposed to say like chosen and like the Bible documentary? No, friends and new girl. And I, and, I, and I don't think I'm alone in that because I've talked to people about this and they're like, oh, the, like the overwhelming response is yes, like those, those are the best. Like we love those. They're just shows that you can watch over and over and over again and not really get tired of it. And so I was kind of thinking like, why? Why do we love shows like this? Why do I love these type of shows? Because if you think about it, there's not anything like really that special about the plot. Like they're actually about nothing. They're actually just about everyday life. It's not like this like crazy ER drama where like they're trying to save lives every day or it's not like, you know, guy gets cancer and has to make meth to pay the bills. Like, it's just a group of friends doing life together, doing normal stuff together and trying to navigate it. And I think the reason that at least I'm so drawn to this type of show is because 
deep down, I think in all of us, there's this, this longing, this desire for community, this desire for friendships, this desire for relationships. Like we all, we all want this deep down. And so when we watch these, it kind of gives us a glimpse of like, yes, yes, that's what, what I'm looking for. And I actually think that's a good desire. Tonight, Jesus is gonna start to kind of wrap up the Sermon on the Mount. And before he does, he talks about what relationships in the kingdom are gonna look like. Specifically, he'll talk about relationships with your, with your brothers and sisters, those in the family of God, what the relationship with the Father looks like, and then going out to your neighbors and the rest of humanity, what this community that we all long for, like how do we actually do it? Because if we're being honest, sometimes the TV shows make it look a little bit easier than it is. When it comes to like our own lives, it's, it's a little messier and there's more conflict and it's, and it's hard and we don't always know how to navigate these things. And so Jesus kind of starts right. We're gonna be in Matthew 7, if you got your Bibles. And he kind of just starts like throwing punches. Like he is not, he's not holding anything back. The first thing he says in this passage about kingdom community, he says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And so if you've kind of been around the Christian world long enough, like you've probably heard this used as like, hey, you can't say anything negative about me. Like, hey, Jesus says, judge not, judge not. Like, don't judge me, bro. Like, you can't say anything negative about me because that's what Jesus says. Like, don't judge me. And although that's part of it, I think when we just use that as this almost like, like defensiveness, we lose the heart of what, of what Jesus is trying to say. He says, if you judge, know that you'll be measured with that same judgment. And when we start to think about what, what judgment is, judgment is when we put somebody else down in order to elevate ourselves. So we'll say something mean or rude, we'll kind of knock someone else down so that, so that either like our own self-esteem kind of gets raised or that the people around us will think that we, like, we are better than we are, we're better than that person. And that could even happen like on Twitter and on Instagram and on all these like social media, like, if, like for those of you that have those like secret like Kevin Durant burner accounts and those like finstas I think is what is what they're called where you can kind of like make all these comments on like athletes celebrities famous people's posts and like incognito like you, we're trying to like just put someone down even if it's just like a level so that we can feel better about ourselves and what Jesus is saying right off the bat here is the judgment that you put on someone else, you're gonna, have to, you're gonna have to carry that same weight. You're gonna have to be measured by that, by that same judgment. This is against, this is the opposite of what 
the kingdom of heaven is. Judgment is putting someone down so that you could be elevated and the kingdom of heaven is humbling yourself so that others can be elevated, so that the Lord can be elevated. The kingdom of heaven is for those who are humble and poor in spirit. But I want, I want to make something clear. What Jesus is not saying is, hey, you should, you should never address somebody else's flaws. Like, you should never point out weaknesses. Because here's what he says next. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, hey, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First Take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eyes. I think my whole life hearing this passage, I got it completely wrong. I thought it meant, this meant never point out anybody else's flaws, never point out anybody else's weaknesses or sins or place where they're just off. That's what I thought this passage meant. But in fact, it's actually, it's actually saying the opposite. Jesus is saying we should take the speck out of our brother's and our sister's eyes. We should help them. Like if you've ever had something in your teeth and someone like finally points it out or you like go home like hours later and you, you see it and you're like, like I was with my best friends for hours. I, did, I haven't eaten for hours, so I know it's been there for hours. And nobody said anything. You're kind of like, you're kind of annoyed. Jesus is saying the kingdom of God, especially brothers and sisters in Christ, the family of God, we should want to take the speck out of our brother's eyes, out of our sister's eyes, but we have to do it the right way. It has to start with humility. And that's what Jesus says. The first thing you have to do is recognize the plank that is in your own eye. You have to recognize your own weakness, your own sin, your own struggles, your own bad habits, your own addictions, and start to, to like wrestle with and, and grapple with these things and surround yourself with people that will help you to remove these things. And start the process of removing the plank before you then go and help your brother or your sister remove the speck out of their eyes. Because like very practically, when you do it that way, one, you know what you're doing. You've recognized like, hey, like I've been here. I've, 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 I'm dealing with this. I'm wrestling with this. I'm trying to grow in this. I'm trying to do this the right way, let me help. I see this thing in you that, that, is, that is against the kingdom of heaven. I see this thing in you that is opposing and in, in, in rebellion against God. And I, and, and I have those things in my life and I wanna, I wanna help you. Like if you have some friends or maybe someone you look up to that's ever come to you in humility and just is like, hey, can I talk to you about the areas that I've been, been struggling? Can I tell you about the addictions in my life? Can I tell you about 
the idols in my life? Can I tell you about these relationships in my life that, that I'm just not handling well? Can I, t- I just wanna like tell you about these things. It makes it so much easier to then open up. It makes it so much easier to then share because you know, you know for sure you're not being judged. When you come in this place of, of humility, poor in spirit, and then go and help your brother, help your sister. This is what kingdom friendships, kingdom brothers and sisters are supposed to be like. The family of God should want to help each other, but, but out of humility. And so a good question to ask would be, well, let's say I see this, this clear and obvious speck in my brother's eye or my sister's eye and like they're claiming to be followers of Jesus and yet they're, they're going and just getting drunk every single weekend or the ways that they're handling this, their relationship with their boyfriend or their girlfriend is like clearly not following Jesus. They're clearly following their own passions and desires and it's, and it's obvious and I love them and I wanna help them. And so I go to them and, and I reveal my own, my own sin, my own struggles. And in humility, I offer to help. What if they say, no thanks, like I'm good. I don't want your help. I'm fine. Like, don't judge me. Like, who are you to say this about me? Like, let me live my own life. You're not, you're not in charge of me. That happens, I've seen it happen, I've been a part of that. What do you do? Here's what Jesus says next, he addresses this. He says, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Y'all, I probably read this a hundred times and was just like, Jesus, this seems, this seems a little intense. Like, like he's calling people pigs and calling people dogs and saying, hey, you have this, this good thing, this, this, this wisdom, you have this thing that's gonna help them. He says, if they don't want it, move on. Like I know to some of y'all, this is the opposite of what you've been taught your whole life. Like, no, I just gotta keep keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. And now I don't think he's saying stop loving them or stop hanging out with them. But he's saying if they don't want this this pearl of wisdom, a pearl was seen as this, this precious, valuable thing. If they don't want that, don't give it to them and go find somebody else that will take it. Jesus is actually kind of, uh, reciting and, and reteaching the wisdom that was given to Solomon way back when. Here's what, here's what Proverbs 9 says, and this is kind of the heart that Jesus is, is trying to teach us when it comes to these kingdom friendships. He says, whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. Instruct the wise and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous and they will add to their learning. 
He's saying, there are plenty of people out there who, who need this. Plenty of people who, who need this, this, this humble, gentle correction. Who clearly have a speck in their eye and, and they, their life would be so much better if somebody would help them remove it. But if they don't want that help, he says, he says, move on. This should be freeing in a way, in a weird way. I thought for so long, like, I just, I just got to keep trying harder and harder and harder and harder. Like, what am I doing wrong? Like, they should be getting this. They should be accepting this. They should be, they should be growing. They should be knowing this. And I realized what I was doing that whole time was I thought I was responsible for removing the speck. I thought I was responsible for helping them grow. I thought I was responsible for any life change. So I got so upset that nothing was happening because I thought I must be doing something wrong. But the truth is we're just called to to give these pearls of wisdom. We're called to, to help and to love and to trust that God will give growth. Trust that God will remove specks. Trust that God will soften hearts and just let it go. This should be freeing to us. It is not your responsibility to remove the speck. It is not your responsibility to change someone's heart. And so yes, in humility, give this wisdom. In humility, help. But if they don't want it, move on. And so what do, what do we do if, we, if we're not sure if it's kind of this relationships are, are, are murky and gray and not always black and white? What if we don't know if this person is, is a brother or a sister? What if we don't know if, if we've actually addressed the planks in our own life enough? What if we maybe are the dogs and the pigs that are resisting this help? What do we do then? Jesus continues and tells us about this this deeper relationship that we have in the kingdom, namely a relationship with the Father. He says, when you're in a position where you're just lost or you just don't know or you just got so many questions, so many doubts, he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Jesus is saying, we have this open access to the Father. That as sons and daughters of God, we have access to him that nobody else does. When I lived, I lived in, in Highland Park for five years, and I ran like a student ministry there, and we'd have these, these events where it was like the, the sons and the daughters of like really, really important people, like professional athletes, uh, like professional musicians, the CEOs of these like crazy, huge companies, men and women who were like, it would take forever to even get in the same room as them. Like you would have to, 
you'd have to like work your way. You'd have to go through like 10 different people to even get in the same room as them and ask them a question or get their advice on something. And yet every week, these parents would roll up to our, our, our ministry house and they'd, they'd come and they'd, their kids would come, come running up to them. They'd get in the car like, hey, let's go get ice cream. Let's go do something. And it was just like, this person runs like a multi, multi-billion dollar company. It would be impossible to ever get in the same room as them. And yet their kids, their sons, their daughters just have unfiltered access to them at all time. Anytime they're in need, they'll drop everything and help them out. This is the type of relationship we have with the Father, the Holy of Holies, has made himself available to you and to me because he looks at you and he looks at me and sees his son or his daughter. So he's saying, Jesus is saying, you need help? You're lost? You're confused? You have questions? You have doubts? Bring them. Talk to me. Let's, like, let's wrestle. Like, let's, let's seek this out. Let's see what doors are open, what doors are closed. Like, let's, let's do this thing. And he's a good father that loves you and wants to give you good gifts. Here's what Jesus says. He says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Not only will he listen, not only is he available, but he will give you, he wants to give you good gifts because he loves you. He cares about you and wants you to have these these good, good things. And he's the only one who has the ability to give anything. And so if you're like me and you read this passage, my first thought was, whoa, like, like anything, this is, this is amazing. I can, I can ask and, 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 and God, the father will give me anything. And then my next thought was, well, but what about the times where he didn't give me the things that I asked for. There might be people in this room who, someone really close to you, maybe your mom, your sister, your best friend, gets diagnosed with with cancer or some sort of life-threatening illness, and you are begging God, begging the Lord day in, day out, please, please, will you heal her? Please, please, will you restore him? Will you remove this disease? Will you remove this sickness? Will you remove this illness? Please, God, I know you care. This feels like a good gift. Why are you not giving it to me?
and yet you might pray that for weeks, for months, for years, and all you get is silence. Or maybe for some of you, you've just, your whole, like, like life, you just, man, I just want this relationship. God, I want to find this significant other, this boyfriend, this girlfriend. Like, like you've said how good marriage is, God. You've said this is, this is a good gift. Like, I, I, I want it. I want to receive. Like, like, give it to me, please. I want to receive this good gift. And you pray and you ask for days, for weeks, for months, for years. And all you get is silence. All you get in return is constant heartbreak. What do we do with that? How do we handle that? If I'm being really, really honest and vulnerable with you, most of the time in my own life, I don't know. Most of the time, I'm pretty pissed off. Most of the time, it feels like God has abandoned me and betrayed me and left me. And yet in those moments, somehow, some way, we have to remind ourselves that God is the giver of good gifts, that God does have the ability to give us these things that we ask for, and yet for some reason, he didn't, or he won't, or at least not yet. And that's where, where this faith, this idea of faith comes in where we have to try and believe that God's perspective of what's good in our life, of what a gift is for us, is better than our own perspective of what's good in our life. That he knows what's better for us than we know for ourselves. That he has this eternal perspective and we only have this, this finite momentary perspective. And I know if you're in that season right now where it feels like God has abandoned you, you don't wanna hear that. I've been there and I'm sorry. And we'd love to, to talk with you and wrestle with you and, and continue to cry out to the Lord with you. But we have to try and cling to this idea that, that God's perspective is somehow better than our own. Now this is a, this is a dumb example but for some reason, it's, it's one of the only ways I can see this, this idea in my own life. Growing up, the only thing I ever wanted when I was little were sour gummy worms. Like, that's it. Like, this is, <laughs> this is me. Like, like, you could tell I, I enjoyed some sour gummy worms every now and then. Like, that's clear. Also, 
Total side note, I'm still kind of mad about this picture. Like what parents, what parent dresses their kid up in these clothes, makes him do a soft smile, and then like says like, yeah, this is gonna hang on our wall for the rest of our lives. This is like literally like the first thing you do when you walk, like when you walk into my house is you see this picture. Like that's messed up. When Jesus says like, your earthly fathers are evil, I agree. I relate, I relate strongly to that because that is not cool. I will never do that to my kids. But anyway, I loved like a lot of sour gummy worms growing up. And if it was up to me, like I, like I would eat them breakfast, lunch, dinner. Like that's all I would eat my, my whole life. Like that's, that's, that's it, sour gummy worms. And I'd be so content, at least in the moment. And yet my parents told me like, hey, these sour gummy worms are good, like they're tasty, but like in an appropriate context. These sour gummy worms are good, but, but not the way that, that you're viewing them or that you're seeing them. In fact, if, I, if we were to let you just like eat these sour gummy worms like all day, every day, it would actually be like, like wrong. Like we would actually be bad parents. And again, I'm not trying, please hear me, I'm not trying to make light of like the real, the real things that you, you guys are wrestling with right now. But at this young age, I had such a different perspective than my parents did. And at this young age, I had a different perspective than I, than I even have right now. And so if, if my perspective can, can just change, if, it, if it's just even a different over time, like can we believe that God's perspective is not only different than ours, but, but better than ours? Can we believe the prophet Isaiah when he says, your ways are higher than my ways, your thoughts are higher than my thoughts? And even when that prayer for, for healing doesn't get answered, and that person close to you passes away, know that even death itself, even, even the grave isn't the final say. That God is bigger than that. That God is stronger than that. That God is more powerful than that. And so, in these moments of silence, when we've been crying out to the Lord, when we've been asking, when we've been seeking, when we've been knocking, and we don't get, don't get anything back, specifically when it comes to these, these kingdom relationships, when we're like, Lord, I need your help in this situation. I don't know how to handle this. I don't know how to address this. Like, please, I need your help. And we just feel like we get nothing back. What do we do then? And this is how Jesus will wrap up this, this passage on relationships. He'll say, when in doubt, therefore, in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. 
He's saying when, when you are, are in these relationships and you've, you've gone to this person in, in humility and you've, you've, you've tried to help, you've tried to remove this speck, you've, you've tried to love them well and help them grow and relate to them and they, and they don't want it. Or you're, you're trying to be a good friend, you're trying to be a good brother and sister, and you're just like, I don't know what to do. Jesus says, when in doubt, do unto others as you would have them do to you. Now for the original audience hearing this, this would be kind of crazy and profound because about 500 years before this, there was this, this guy named Confucius, okay? This guy named Confucius who was, was known for this, this golden rule. He had this golden rule of like, if you want society to, to thrive, if you wanna have a society that continues to flourish and grow and multiply, here's your golden rule. Don't do unto others what you don't want them to do to you. Which if you think about it is, for society is, is actually a great, a great rule. Hey, you don't want, you don't want someone to, to sleep with your wife? Don't, don't sleep with your, their wife. Like you don't want, you don't want to be murdered. <laughs> like don't murder. Like you don't want to be lied to. So, so don't lie. You don't want someone to steal from you. So don't steal. For society, it's like, okay, this is kind of like, it sets the bar here. And yet Jesus is coming in and taking that and saying, no, you want to see a community really thrive? You want to see a community really flourish? You want to see a community really grow and multiply? One that outsiders look in and, and think, oh my gosh, what is, what is happening? I want, to be, I want to be a part of that. He says, not only don't do to others, but he says, do unto others as you would have them do to you. He says that, that fulfills the law and the prophet. This is what, what Yahweh and his people in the entire Old Testament, this is the same heart he had then. And he's saying, this is the same heart now. Love your neighbor as yourself. This, this is the entire law and the prophet. This is at the very central, the, the very center point of Christian community. That we would go not only in our own circles, but we'd go out to our neighbors and we would love them as we would want to be loved. That we would do to them as we would want people to do to us. When we were, when we were broken and lost and rejected, when we, when we desired that one friend so bad, someone to come and step into that, that space with us, that pit with us, and just be there. Someone to mourn with us, someone to weep with us, someone to rejoice with us. If this was a, was a community 
that didn't look at people and say, hey, I'm gonna give you what I think you deserve. But no, I'm gonna give you what, what you need. I'm gonna give you what you want. I'm gonna give you what you d- desire because we have the same desires. And it's so cool because Jesus, the same one telling us this, lived it out. The same guy that talked the talk, walked the walk. And he looked at us and said, I'm not just gonna give them what they deserve. Here's what what my girl Ellen says. She says, not that Ellen. She says, Christ was treated as we deserve that we may be treated as he deserves. He was condemned for our sins in which he had no share, that we might be justified by his righteousness in which we had no share. He suffered the death which was ours that we might receive the life which was his. By his stripes we are healed. What she's saying is that when we were in direct rebellion, when we were enemies of God, deserving death and wrath, Jesus, the only one who deserved eternal life, the only one who deserved to truly be called a son of the Father, stepped into that pit with us and took the death that we deserved so that we could have the life that he deserves, so that we too with him can be called sons and daughters of the Father. And so that is the God that we sing to. That is the one that we worship. So I pray that as tonight, as we sing, as we worship, as we celebrate this life change, coming from death to life, that we would continue to fix our eyes on Jesus and away from ourselves. Let's pray. Father, we need you. Lord, we confess that we are often in direct rebellion, that we often choose our own way, that we often follow what we think is best for us. And that when you come and that you offer help, Lord, that we reject you. And so would you be near to us tonight? Would you remind us of your goodness for for my brothers and sisters in the room who are just wrestling, Lord, wanting an answer from you? Please, we pray that you you would answer them, Lord. But while they wait, God, I pray that they would trust you, that they would know that you are good and that you love them. And so we pray this all in the name of Jesus, amen. Some of those prayers. The prayer corner is open in the back. Um, man, we'd love for you guys to to write some of those down, and you can put them in the basket. And the college team will be praying over those throughout the week. If you feel led to do that, let's stand together. Let's continue to worship the King.
have a, a treat tonight as we get to celebrate life change uh, through baptism. So Lily, come on down. Uh, give her a hand as she walks down. This is Lily, everybody. And if you're unfamiliar, if you're new with us, new to church, what baptism is, it's an ancient ritual which identifies that the person being baptized has made Jesus their king. They want to follow him for the rest of their life, that he is the savior of their soul and he's the king of their life. And we get to celebrate together uh, that life change with you. And we're really excited to do so. So Kennedy, share a little bit about her. Okay, bear with me because I could say so much about this girl. Um, but also I'm Kennedy and I am honored to just get to speak on behalf of Lily and the life change that I've gotten to witness um, in her really this last year. But I want to tell you a little bit about her life. So Lily grew up in church, grew up knowing about God but it wasn't really until trials came into her life, senior year of high school, freshman year of college, when her parents were going through a divorce that she kind of had to take a step back and really think and wrestle about who God was in her life. And so she realized a couple things. Um, one, she needed to put her faith in someone, something that was much bigger than herself. 
Um, but that didn't come without a lot of wrestling. And so she had grown up hearing and knowing and believing that God was a good God and that He was a loving God. But that was hard because in the current circumstances, there felt like there was no love and there was no good. So that was hard for her to wrestle with. So now Lily is a junior. So there's been a couple years of that wrestling and she's standing before y'all here today, trusting with her whole heart, surrendering her whole life to the Lord. She's seen him be faithful. She's seen him take the brokenness and really turn it into beauty. And that wasn't, like he was right there with her, grieving with her and that sin and that pain. And that was something else that she had to realize. So I am super proud of her. I think that's all I gotta say. (laughs) Well, Liz, your story that Jesus is your savior and you wanna follow him for the rest of your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm gonna give this to you. If, uh, if you leave with nothing else tonight, please leave with that. There is a good Father who listens, who's there, who loves you and does wanna give you good gifts. And He wants you to run to Him. And so do that. If, if you are in a season where you're just kind of wrestling and you feel like there's just silence on the other end or you just don't know how to do these things, Come talk to us. We'll we'll be here at the end. We'd love to talk with you more about that. If not, we love you guys. We will see you next week 
as we wrap up Sermon on the Mount. Oh, and Song of Solomon coming after spring break. Get ready, baby. Love, sex, and dating.